Good evening and welcome to the late night show. That's right. Late night with From Us. Going live. I just finished um just finished a bunch of post-production work and I gotta check my work tomorrow. And when it's done, it's done. And I'm so glad to have that behind me. And um I paused the work on on I paused that post-production work to take my little son to go see Jurassic Park. It was playing in 3D at the Alamo Draft House. I'm not too pleased with the Alamo Draft 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 House Draft House as of late, but that's another story for another time. In any case, I I took him, and because uh, I was like, you know, there's so so seldom is there an opportunity to see a classic like Jurassic park on the big screen. And he's seen it once when he was five, but he didn't really remember it that well. Hey, what's going on? Louie, Louie is in the house. He didn't really remember it that well. Um, so it was kind of like a, a new, a first time watch for him. And uh, I was, like I said, I, I hate 3d. I'm, I'm not a fan. I really, really, really dislike 3d. I don't like the glasses. They give me a headache. Usually the 3D conversion is not always that great. You know, generally, if I'm going to watch something in 3D, I need the 3D to be incorporated in the story. I want to see, like, you know, something, you know, coming at me, that sort of thing. Um, Louis asks, how old is my son? Uh, Louis saw it when he was six, and it was both awesome and terrifying. My son is seven. So I... 30 years ago, it was the 30 year, 30 year anniversary, which is why it's back in theaters. 30 years ago, I saw Jurassic Park when I was seven years old. And 30 years later, my son is now seven and I took him to go see Jurassic Park. And, you know, like I said, we did. We did. Yeah, of course, the puddle shot is is the bomb. Uh, L.A. Rams, the puddle shot is the, it's the best. It's absolutely the best. Um, you know. Like I said, I, I wasn't I wasn't too stoked about the 3D, and I got to tell you, I was I was shocked, man. I was shocked at how well the 3D worked. It actually, it was it actually might be the most positive 3D experience I've ever had. Um, seeing a movie in the theater, you know, like I said, it gives me a headache, but no, not in this case. You know, they did a pretty good job with the conversion. So if you get a chance. It's in the theaters right now. If you get a chance, I, I recommend it. I totally recommend going to see it in 3D. I remember um, it had to be sometime in 1992. I can remember as a little boy um, talking with my dad, and my dad made mention of a movie based on a book where the dinosaurs come to life. That's what I thought it was, you know, again, as a small child. I was probably... I must have been six or seven because maybe I turned seven and then the movie came out. Maybe I was six years old. I remember seeing Time Magazine was talking about how incredible the special effects were for this movie. I could still remember being in my kitchen looking at um, looking at like behind the scenes photos and like Time Magazine. And I, I knew we were going to go see it. I can remember going down the front stairs of my house going to hop in the car to go see it in the theater. And I can still remember, it's one of my core childhood memories. I can still remember that roar of the T-Rex in the theater for the first time. And I was so afraid that 
watching it again in the theater because this is the first time I've seen Jurassic Park in the theater in 30 years. I was afraid that it would like overwrite the memory of seeing it when I was a kid. And I don't think that happened. That's happened at all. I think if anything, it's been, it's sort of been like enriched and intensified in the most wonderful way. Um, that roar, I mean, that that's like a spell binding moment. And it's also like, it's a great, you know, going to see this in theater 30 years later is a great example of why movie theaters and seeing things in the movie theater is so important um, taking in a movie with an audience. I just saw another film first for me, a movie I've seen. I've seen Jurassic Park hundreds of times, hundreds of times. We had it on VHS and I used to watch it every single day when I got home from school, every single day. I just would put that movie on. I've seen it so many times. I know it so well. And um, another film like that, that I talk about a lot on the channel is Return of the Living Dead. I went to go see Return of the Living Dead this summer in the theater. And it was also a first for me to see this movie with an audience and totally like understand the comedy for the first time. And that was what happened with Jurassic Park. We're watching it and like, we're watching it and like the, all the moments, all the, the funny moments that I usually don't laugh at because I'm by myself or I'm, you know, with one other person in the house watching or whatever, I don't know. Um, suddenly all these moments come to life for me in like this sort of like the comedic timing comes out. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like I watching it, I just, I saw it with, with such fresh eyes watching it in the theater. And the thing that I took note of, there were a few things that I took note of with this screening. But first, I just want to talk a little bit about, not that anybody gives a shit, but just my son's reaction. You know, these are the rewarding, you know, when they say like, what's the, like, what's the meaning of being a parent or like the positives of being a parent and like raising a child. This is one of those great, like wonderful, cherished pastimes where I just, I really do love being a father, showing my son the things that I love and cherish and showing him the things that I, you know, revered when I was a child, you know, it, these moments are magical, man. And there's nothing more magical than going to see a Steven Spielberg movie on the big screen. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I love, I love Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg is the goat to me, man. He's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And I know I'm hyperbolic when I say Jurassic Park is the greatest film of all time. It's not the greatest film of all time, but it is one of the greatest films of all time. It is one of the greats. It really, really is. And um, going in there and watching, he sat in my lap the whole time. And it was funny. I knew he was scared because we had to get up to go to the bathroom, which I hate friggin' doing. I hate getting up to go to the bathroom in a movie, even if it's like Avengers Endgame. I'm like a camel. I mean, look how much live streaming I do. Do I ever get up to go for a pee break? I never do, right? Like, I just go straight through. Um, but, you know, uh, my son... You know, he's he's a little guy. He drank a lot of water. We had to get up a few times, but I suspect that he actually wanted to get up because he was a little afraid. So we got up to go to the bathroom begrudgingly. I was I was like, come on, can't you go yourself? He's like, no, dad, come on. He needed me to take him. So I took him to the bathroom. But um, seeing him like like scared like that, but like not in like it wasn't like a bad way. It was like a like a wonderful way. He was he was wonderfully scared. It the movie thrilled him like really thrilled him. And 
watching it with a child who's never like really doesn't remember seeing it. He watched it when he was five, but like, you know, he kind of fell asleep and he wasn't really, you know, in it. He wasn't in the movie. He's at that age where he's so impressionable. And the thing again, uh, the wonderful thing about Steven Spielberg is he knows how to do something that's both monstrous and horrifying while at the same time being like kid friendly. It's the perfect like introduction to monsters and and like suspense and terror, you know, all wrapped up in this like heartfelt package that is Jurassic Park. I mean, it really is. It's a ma- it's a magical experience. So he's sitting there, he's watching it, and like when you know the the Velociraptor pops out at Ellie uh, when when she restarts the park, man, uh, he jumped, he jumped, he jumped like this, man. Uh, and it was great. It was great. It was so great. It was like, I, I'm trying to decide my words, the words escape me, but like, I could feel his whole body, like shudder with excitement as he's watching um, this velociraptor. I just wasn't expecting this kind of reaction from him. Cause he, my, my son has seen a lot of stuff. He watches YouTube. He's like, I, he's seen lots of dinosaur stuff he watched. So check it out. Here's what's really crazy. My son, I took my son to see Jurassic world. The, the last one that came out, Extinction, he already had seen Extinction. He's been exposed to dinosaurs, but none of those movies made him jump the way that Jurassic Park did. And it was just, it was amazing, man. It was amazing. He had a great time. I had a great time. Uh, I just sat there, you know, uh, I was like kissing the back of his head, you know, like putting my, like just like really like soaking up, like being with my son. I was just really digging it, you know, really enjoying it. And um, he he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And what? So the things that I noticed. Hold on, I see some comments here. Uh, Pod, wow, Pod, I haven't seen you in a long time. Pod says I feel the same way about Predator. I hope I get to see it in the theater again. See, that's what's funny. So my son has seen Predator multiple times. Doesn't phase him. That like loves Predator, but Jurassic Park freaked him out. Like not freaked him out. Like. Made him jump a whole bunch of times. Yes, clever girl. You know, that was a that was an arc that I never wrote. There was a lot. Of, okay, so here's the other thing that's great about seeing a movie in like a different venue and noticing things that you maybe have not noticed before. Like I noticed all the character arcs came to life for me in a way that they never had before. Like, for instance, Robert Muldoon, who whose action figure from 1993 is right over there on that shelf. Um, Robert Muldoon, like I never, I never noticed his character arc before. He has an arc; it's a short one. It's like a setup and a payoff. But when they're talking, everything in this movie. First of all, I just want to talk a minute about the exposition. This should be what how like when they teach screenwriting in school. This is what the example should be for how you do exposition. It's golden. It's absolutely golden. Nothing feels forced or out of place in in the explaining that they do. They set so many things up. Dr. Alan Grant, when he's explaining to the kid why the turkey is so dangerous, he's talking about the fact that raptors are pack hunters and how they come at you from the sides and distract you. You're staring at the one in front. You don't see the other two come at you from the side. And this is the Achilles heel for the game warden. Um, Robert Muldoon, who's like this badass 
warden, uh, whatever, like, you know, hunter from, uh, from Africa or something. And, um, like game warden type guy who's an expert on the Raptors, but he's not familiar with the hunting patterns. So when he realizes that they're being hunted, him and Ellie, he tells Ellie to run for it, to go, to go into the bunker. And he goes after, and he falls right into the very trap that Dr. Grant talks about earlier in the film. And for some reason, I thought that is, again, I've been watching this movie for 30 years. I've seen it hundreds of times. I never once thought about how that relates to that. And for some reason I did this time. And it was just, it was mad. It was so cool to see that. And yes, I love every line of dialogue. He says he chews it like a fine steak. What's the name of that actor who plays Robert Muldoon? He's a a Bob Peck. Bob Peck is great. He goes, he says, (laughs) he says, he says, we're being hunted. Run. (laughs) He goes, I got her in my sights. And it's just like, he tells her to run and she runs for it. And the way that he takes the shotgun, you know, the, the, the shotgun mount, you know, for some reason it's really fast in the movie, but for some reason, I don't know. It just feels like it takes five minutes for him to put that stock down and put the little thing down before he raises the gun and the gun handling noise, the Foley of the gun handling noise, like, like deeply, deeply rooted in my brain, you know, like truly, um, other exposition. That's just so great. Not even exposition. Like we see, like, why is, why is Dennis Nedry stealing the embryos in the first place? And then we, we get the, you know, we get a sense that he has money issues because he's dealing with Hammond and they have this, like they reveal in their, in their dialogue, but it's not like, it's not like JJ Abrams and like the force awakens, like turning to the camera and being like, you know, having like Han Solo and Leia like turn to the camera and go, our son turned to the dark side. He turned evil. It's like just like just so like casually revealed that Dennis Nedry, you know, Dennis Nedry is complaining about the bid that he put in for the work, for the computer work he's doing and how, you know, they've had this conversation many times before. And then all of a sudden it makes sense as to why he's why he's stealing uh, what he's stealing and just the, you know, the arc of Ian Malcolm and how Ian Malcolm, you know, is injecting the idea of like how life it's like Hammond is trying to bring order. Not only is he trying to bring the spectacle to life, but he's trying to control life and he's trying to bring order to life when life is chaotic and uncontrollable. And that's what Ian Malcolm is trying to explain. He's really explaining it to us and you know who's best represented in that, too, is Dr. Alan Grant and his curiosity as a human being. Like, you know, just like every time they're supposed to be doing something, he, he like gets out of the car when he sees a sick triceratops. He doesn't do when they're when they're um, when they're descending in the helicopter to bring them to the island. He doesn't have um, the proper seatbelt like his seatbelt doesn't work. He just to tie it together. It's like it's like it's like. Dr. Grant is is sort of navigating like the chaos of life through his curiosity. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's really cool. And then, you know, there's just all sorts of stuff that's being said. The giant piles of literal shit, you know, just like the idea that like the the doctor, the doctor who um, who's with Ellie when they're looking over the Triceratops. And he's telling them how they don't eat the lilac berries. And it's just like, and then she has to sift through the doctor's bullshit 
to find out the truth, you know, and it turns out that he's not, he's not wrong, but I just thought about like the metaphor of like how the thing about Dr. John Hammond and I love Richard Attenborough. So great. His, you know, it's funny. He's Scottish and his Scottish, his Scottish accent. It's very, very subtle. It's not like, a, it's not like a, you know, a thick stereotypical. So like, like uh, I can't even, I'm, I'm doing a horrible, that's a horrible Scottish accent, but you know what I mean? Like it's very, very slight and it's charming and he's so charming, but you know, the thing about Dr. John Hammond is that he is both full of shit and while at the same time being deeply genuine in his passion of wanting to bring something real to an audience. He wants he wants to like bring the 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 he wants to bring imagination to life because you know dinosaurs are imaginary to us even though obviously they're they're fossils and that they really walk the the idea that they don't exist anymore they are something in our imagination that we think about because you know we see these fossils and they they make us think about like who were these creatures and what you know what did they do when they roamed the earth 65 million years ago and then he wants to bring that to life he brings a semblance because these aren't actually dinosaurs they are cloned frankenstein hybrids they are they are frog dinosaur mutation clones. That's what they are, which then dovetails into the chaos theory of, of Malcolm because Malcolm is saying like life finds a way and that ultimately proves true. And we get some brilliant expositional dialogue from Dr. Alan Grant when he's like, he's like the gap. <laughs> he's like, they use the frog DNA to, to close the gaps and the sequences. And it's funny how I like, remember all this like jargon from when I was seven, but I didn't really understand it. And then like, I'm like in the theater, I'm like, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. You need to, <laughs> you need to the frog DNA goes inside the gaps of the dinosaur DNA to fill in the gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you put it in an unfertilized ostrich egg. Of course that makes a lot of sense. And it's like, um, but he's right, man. He's like, he's ultimately right. He's like, he's like these things that Hammond, again, Hammond wants control. He wants to control. He wants to control the life that is chaos. He wants to control life that is chaos. And he thinks he can do it by bringing dinosaurs to life and then keeping them in electrified fences. He thinks he can control people too, because he needs, he needs uh, Ellie and Alan and Ian to sign off on uh, uh, to sign off on the park for the investors, you know, to, to appease the investors and whatnot. And if he could just get them to do that, then everything will go Hammond's way. But the, the, the Hammond's Hammond's arc is that like nothing that Hammond wants to do ever goes according to plan. Nothing like, and that's all that's his ultimate, like, you know, folly. And you see him broken at the end. He's like eternally optimistic. He's talking to Ellie and he's talking about how next time it's going to be better. And she's like, she's like, no, there is no next time. This is done. You're done. Like, we just need to save our loved ones and get the fuck out of here. You know, um, as he's sitting there stress eating the, the melting ice cream. I love how there's like, he's just like, it just cuts to him like binge eating ice cream. That's melting. Cause he's so, and like just wallowing in his sadness. Um, it's so it's so touching. It's so it's so uh, it's 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 magical. I keep using the word magical because it's magical, man. Um, 
they talk about, you know, Ian Malcolm talks about wielding power without, you know, having any discipline. There was no discipline. They didn't earn the right to wield the power. They just, they just watched others do it and then copied it. And now, and now they're just, they're, they're flying fancy free with it, you know? And then Ellie, Ellie admits, Ellie has a kind of a smaller arc where she kind of, you know, when she's sitting with Hammond eating ice cream, she admits too that like she was enticed by that power and that power is kind of like blown back, you know, um, it's a, it's also, you know, we talked on this channel previously, we've talked about the Frankenstein trope. This is the Frankenstein trope, you know, um, a movies where, you know, the, the Frankenstein's monster is created and then rebels against its master, um, not being, it can't be contained and ultimately, you know, um, overthrows, over overthrows the the master and that man jurassic park perfect example i always compare it's funny i always to say that you know just the way that like scream is my halloween um and jaws is my jaws but jurassic park is also my jaws you know ironically it's a, kind of amazing to think that the guy who made jaws also made jurassic park and indiana jones and et like that's why he's the goat dude like that's why the dude's a goat like, think about all those, all these iconic, incredible movies. This dude friggin' made all those movies. Hook, you know, um, just, just unreal, un, unfriggin' real. And then um, some funny observations about like John Hammond that I noticed, you know, uh, hold on. What is Pod says? I know it's cliche, but my favorite part is the life finds a way scene back in 93 is pretty profound to young kids. Yeah. It's a beautiful theme. It's a beautiful theme. Life cannot be controlled. Life finds a way. You know, this idea that we think we understand life. We use science to understand life. And no matter how much we try to understand life and control life, life is an uncontrollable thing. And no matter what we do, you know, can't be controlled. One thing that um, I kind of, you know, you have Samuel L. Jackson, who this was before he like kind of blew up with uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, you have Samuel L. Jackson as as Ray Arnold, Mr. Arnold. The uh, He's kind of like the computer. He's the computer tech that works with Dennis Nedry, played by Wayne Knight. He's just so great in this as well. And I just feel like, you know, Wayne Knight, Wayne Knight probably has, I want to say, just as much screen time maybe as Samuel Jackson or equivalent. And Dennis Nedry has like a fully fleshed out arc and like a character. And I feel like, I feel like Ray Arnold is like two steps below that. Like we just needed, I just needed a little bit more in this two hour runtime. If I had to make one complaint, it would probably be that. And, you know, I read the book like back in the nineties and I hardly remember anything about it. Um, but I want to believe that maybe Ray Arnold has more of a, more of a you know more character or who knows maybe that got that got cut a little bit um so some funny things about about hammond uh and before we talk about them we should probably mention that the sponsor of this channel is riotstickers.com riot stickers riot stickers is the bomb riotstickers.com uh you can get a thousand stickers for 79 dollars you can't beat that price. It's better than anything else. Link will be in the description. I just went live. I freeballed this time. I was not intending to go live, but I just, I had to talk about Jurassic Park. I was feeling on fire and I just wanted to like get these observations like out, you know, just super quick, like quick and dirty. Um, so 
thousand stickers, $79. Go to ridestickers.com backslash from us to find out more information. And let's play the uh, very quick video and I'll run and get a. And we're back. We're talking about Jurassic Park. And I was talking before about John Hammond and some other things that I noticed. So John Hammond is also kind of a supervillain. And it's kind of funny. He brings he brings these people to his like island lair where he's got dinosaurs inside of electronic fences. He's like super rich, eccentric. He's kind of like in another like world. John, I'm about to sneeze. John Hammond would be a James Bond villain, like straight up. Like he would be, uh, and he's got instead of red shirts, like excuse me. Instead of red shirts, like in Star Trek, you know how everybody's like wearing a red shirt. Like he has goons. They all wear pink. Do you ever notice that? There's like all these like extras, and they just wear like these. They have pink belts and they have pink polo shirts that have Jurassic Park insignia. And it's almost like he could be he could be a Bond villain or he could even be like a Batman rogue, you know, some sort of like rogue from a from the Batman's gallery, you know, rogues gallery. And uh, I just love I just love all the, you know, all the peons and stuff. They're just they're really, really, really funny Um, in terms of like in terms of in terms of like the. The, um, the, like the actual screening. So some things that like that I felt while I was watching the screening that I want to say before I forget them forever. I won't forget them, but I want to just bring them up. Friggin' when the when the T Rex, when you see the ripples in the cups of water that first time, you can feel the electricity. It first of all, it's dead quiet. It's like. You can't hear a fucking, you could hear a fucking pin drop in that theater. All you hear is the rumbling. The soundtrack is, uh, the, the sound design is unbelievable. The dynamics of that se- of that whole sequence when the T-Rex attacks the car, it's unfucking believable They, it goes, you know, just like a Pixie song, it goes from loud, quiet, loud, and the use of the roar, it's not like they don't rely on the mute. There's no reliance on like, heavy musical score it's all about the the sounds of the t-rex but when that water when you hear that you feel the electricity i could feel the tension my i felt my son who's sitting in my lap he's dead still like just dead still full attention eyes glued to the screen as am i 
It just, I, it was just like the, the magic of going to see a movie on the big screen. It was magical. It was friggin' magical to feel that again. And, um, that's why, you know, even if you have the movie on DVD or Blu-ray or it's available on streaming, if you have the opportunity to see a movie in the theater, you're going to have an experience that you would not normally get. That's, that's the reality, man. Um, that's the truth. It, it re really, really, truly. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm now I'm just sort of floundering. I'm trying to think of anything else I want to say um, in terms of like uh, additional arcs. You have Dr. Alan Grant who, you know, uh, he doesn't, he hates technology and he dislikes children. And then here he is thrown into a situation where he has to become a surrogate father and he embraces the role. And I thought that was really beautiful. And that's kind of like, that's a very surface arc. Like we see, it's very easy to see. Um, there's also like something that's a little bit more subtle in the idea that like, he went from a guy who dug up the past and like, you know, was like his life was fossils. And now he lives in a world where dinosaurs are real. And suddenly it causes him to like sort of reevaluate the world. And the last scene in all of Jurassic Park is and this from the book in the original book and what they ended up doing in the third movie directed by Joe Johnston. When you look out the window, you're supposed to see pterodactyls leaving the island and they replace that with some pelican birds. And at the time, you know, cutting edge science, you know, understanding of, of dinosaurs was that dinosaurs are more related to birds than they were reptiles. And everybody who was like, you know, didn't know jack shit about nothing about dinosaurs knew this this pop culture science factoid from Jurassic Park. And um, there's a lot of discussion about like dinosaurs and their relation to birds and like to see. Dr. Alan Grant, like I, I recognize the significance of the shot as he's holding the kids who are sleeping in his arms and he's like looking out at these like flying pelicans and just like sort of marveling at life and at these birds, these descendants of dinosaurs and just kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like the, the world has changed forever for him, not just because he's had this harrowing experience because, but now because he spent his entire life literally digging for, for, for answers to questions that he would never, he was never meant to know. Right. Like, and the metaphor there is that he's, he's digging. Oh shit. Crazy white boys in the house from Baltimore. And he says, greetings. I heard the pixies mention one of my favorites gouge away, you know, crazy white boy, you know, I directed a movie called gouge away. And it's available to Patreons and YouTube members. Actually, that's the old version. It's very soon to be released on Blu-ray, but that's another story for another time. But I just thought you should know that, Crazy White Boy, in case you were not aware of that fact. You should know that. Um, the idea that, I mean, it's so interesting. Like, Dr. Dr. Alan Grant, he's digging. He's digging for answers to questions that he will never know the answers to. He, he can't. Why? Because we don't have time machines. And now suddenly here he is confronted with, with so much knowledge, with so many answers to questions that he was endlessly digging for. And it causes him, you see him, he holds on to this raptor claw that he uses to like, you know, freak out the kid at the beginning. And he tosses it. He goes from, 
he goes from it's weird it's like he goes from like attacking this kid with uh with the raptor claw to to like holding kids as they sleep in a tree and throwing the raptor claw away like dr alan grant probably has the most profound change i think you know arc wise i don't know you know it's funny i don't know if john hammond ever really truly changes I think he's crushed, but I think he's an eternal like believer in wanting to, you know, bring dreams to life. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. So it's like Dr. Alan Grant. It's, and that's another thing too. They're like, kind of like two sides of the same coin. Dr. Alan Grant, like he digs, he's digging, he's digging for answers. And I'm sorry. I'm like breaking this in my head as I'm trying to say it. He's digging for answers while John Hammond is like creating them. You know, <laughs> Kevin the dinosaur. Okay. Trivia question for anybody. Kevin the dinosaur. What movie is that from? And I'm, 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 I'm positive that, that that's what this is a reference to. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that crazy white boy. What Kevin, Kevin, the dinosaur, what movie is that from? Maybe I'll make that the question, the question of the episode. Hold on. Let me just make sure that I'm right about. Oh, wait. No, no, I don't. I shouldn't have asked the question already. God damn it. Um, I'm pretty sure this is this is right. Uh, let me see. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. But this is my now I have my question. Now I have my question. Okay, perfect, perfect. That was too funny. That was too funny. I was almost positive. I was like, oh, shit. I know what that's from. No, I was wrong, but now I have my question um, for the show. And what was my question? My question isn't related, related to this. We're doing a giveaway, which is going to be ending in August. That's going to be once the, at the end of August, we'll tally up all of our T-shirts and, and, and get started on the ordering and things. I'm going to be doing a live show every single day. I'm going to be giving away a t-shirt. At the end of every episode, I will ask my trivia question. You will send your answer to fromismail at gmail.com and the first person to answer correctly will be the winner. You give me your name, your address, and your t-shirt size. If you are outside of the continental United States, you will have to cover shipping and handling. Join us night after night where I will be doing t-shirt giveaways who doesn't like a free t-shirt i'm not gonna go easy on any of you i'm gonna ask really hard questions so be prepared okay so you know what's coming you know what's up you know what the deal is hey angus mccorder is here he says i need to re-watch this movie the only thing i remember is the poor lawyer being crushed to death that's one way to say how he died he was fucking eaten by a goddamn t-rex but yeah i'm catching up i saw jp in the theater multiple times was revolutionary and mind-blowing yes yes it was kevin um and you know you know why else it was revolutionary and mind-blowing because the guy who wrote this book and he also uh you know helped to write the screenplay Hold on, i gotta turn on the fan it's late guys i can't i can't stay on forever i gotta wrap this up very shortly because i gotta wake up early in the morning but um fucking michael crichton dude like the, the to come up with this idea like i don't know if he came up with this idea but like 
like how he came up with this idea, but this idea, this revolutionary idea that doesn't seem it's like pseudoscience, like, you know, because like, does it actually work? Like, no, but I think actually today it kind of does. I remember reading somewhere very recently that like they legitimately can bring extinct, not dinosaurs, but that they are like, I believe like woolly mammoths have been, they've, they've managed to replicate cells from woolly mammoths with, with an approximation of this scientific logic that is behind what, you know, Michael Crichton wrote about. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to write about it. And up to this point, we've never seen, it's funny too. We've never seen dinosaurs up until this point, like the ones in Jurassic park. And frankly, I don't think since, I don't think that a single movie, not even any of the sequels have managed to capture the essence. When you look at the dinosaurs, uh, when you look at the T-Rex, I mean, it really is something else. This is 1993. This is a 1993 com uh, composite of using a real-life animatronic done by Stan, the brilliant Stan Winston, uh, as well as early CGI. And you know what? You know why Spielberg is a fucking genius? He's like, we're going to do this at night, and it's going to be raining. And it's like, oh shit, that's going to make things more harder and more complicated, but that's also going to hide all the wires. And to this day, here we are 30 years later and you know, we'll never, we will, we probably will never get to see a real dinosaur. Like I'd actually, who knows in this day and age and like with AI and just like all the fucking technology that's exploding, maybe we will see a dinosaur. I, I won't say never say never, but I mean, I mean, really, truly, I know that sounds ridiculous, but if you think about all the things that have come to pass, like, you know, in, in 1993, could you have envisioned uh, a device like a, like a smartphone? Like, I mean, well, maybe, but like, could they have, could you envisioning them exist like today? Like even, I don't know, just there's lots of stuff. There's lots of stuff like that. Um, the point was like Steven Spielberg and Stan Winston, they brought dinosaurs to life for us. You know what I'm saying? Like they made dinosaurs real. Like we got to see dinosaurs. Like, do, were the, do we actually know they were dinosaurs? Like, no, but like, like we don't know that that's that they were accurate, but they like brought these things to life. It's just, it's the perfect blend of monster movie meets adventure with kid, family, fun, science, Frankenstein. It's just, mm. Jurassic Park is the goat, man. It's the fucking goat for a reason. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I want to say. I mean, we really, truly, you do, you've never seen, even like the friggin', even the production design, the color palette, man, just the way that everybody represents a different color. Dr. Ellen Grant is blue. Ellie is pink. Hammond is white. Ian Malcolm is black. Every, like, it's just so well thought out, man. It's just so well done. Um, oh, I, just, I love this movie. I love, love, love this movie so much. Uh, I guess it's time for the, I guess it's time for the trivia question. And I decided, <laughs> okay, are you ready for my trivia question? Here it is. Here it is. What you send your, send your answers to from at gmail.com. What is the name of Clifford's dinosaur in the movie Clifford? 
also, which came out in 1993, starring uh, Martin Short as the title character Clifford. What is the name of the dinosaur in Clifford? Email your answer to fromusmail at gmail.com. Thank you for joining me on this super impromptu episode. I got to tell you, I really, really miss going live. Like, I really do. I miss it terribly. I've just been so concerned with putting together this Blu-ray release. It's just like, I only have so much time, you know? And, you know, uh, Patreon and YouTube member content, I got more stuff coming. I do. I've had stuff sitting on the shelf. And I'm just, like I said, I'm consumed with this thing. I'm just one man. More shit is coming, I promise. Um, so stay tuned for all of that. Uh, and I will be back with a vengeance. By the way, October's coming. You know what October means. We're doing 31 days of Halloween. If you don't know what that is, go watch last year's uh, tailgate for that. We'll be doing that next month. That's going to be happening in September leading into October. So September is filled with watching like TV shows and like non-horror things because come October, we're going to be doing 31 days of Halloween. That's the first make mention of it I'm going to do right now. So until then, peace, hair grease. Uh, leave your memories about Jurassic Park down in the comments. Maybe we'll do more Jurassic Park in, in the future, although I really feel like I kind of shot my wad on it now. I just, you know, I'm sure I'm going to be missing something. I'm going to be like, like sleeping in bed or I'm going to like wake up tomorrow and be like, Oh, I forgot to bring up that about Jurassic park. Damn it. Like, I, you know, something's going to, something's going to, um, I'm going to forget. I'm going to remember something. I'm going to be pissed that I forgot it, but it is what it is. And that's all that it is. I'm Popeye the sailor man. Peace hair grease. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me late night stream.